0: You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up everybody.
1: Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP laboratory Postgame game show. We're going to be doing that during training or during the preseason this year. I'm joined, as always, by my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Rocking a Patrick LaVon Mahomes jersey, as he should be. Maddie Lane, what's going on, my man?
2: I am not a fan of the jersey. I think we definitely can just call it a t-shirt jersey or anything but a (laughs) jersey. That is actually worse than calling him Daryl the Barrel Williams. Wow. We are also joined by our friend, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter at BarleyHop. He is the mastermind behind all the technological advancement we are making as the nerd squad on the AP Laboratory. Say hi, Craig.
3: Hi, Craig. How's everybody (laughs) doing tonight? We got to watch actual football tonight, you guys. It was was kind of awesome. awesome. You want to know something? I think I had
1: probably the most fun watching a preseason game that i have maybe since mahomes's first appearance i don't know like i i think maybe it's just how ingratiated we are into this team now that just watching watching what was happening in the fourth quarter was even mostly enjoyable The, the second half of that fourth quarter was a little rough but uh yeah i mean it it's, it's, uh, it's good to have football back. And there was plenty to talk about tonight, I thought. I think there's plenty of storylines that we can we can discuss here. Uh, and we can start with this, fellas. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> good place to start. <laughs> Who four for four. Who's Patrick Mahomes? Uh, he's, the, he's, the he's the guy on your shirt. I don't know if you knew him. You just kind of just found the, the, the most available shirt at, at Walmart or something. I don't know. But Mahomes... Starts the game off with this beautiful throw on a Y pump to uh, to Travis Kelsey up and down ball down the sidelines. The defender didn't even see the ball. Did you see how late the defender was to turn was his head around? here?
2: He had no clue where it was. That guy's like a 10-year veteran, if I'm not mistaken. Is that not Sean Williams? Who was it? I believe that's who it was. I don't, don't take my word for it, but I believe he's an NFL veteran that was, yes, looking behind him for the football well after Kelsey had it.
1: <laughs> well, there we go. That's awesome. Uh, any takeaways from Mahomes,
2: Maddie? He's good at football? <laughs> um, that, Mahomes definitely one. robbed himself of a rushing touchdown, but um, I think yes, in the preseason, we'll, we'll go ahead and accept that. We needed our guy, Carlos Hyde, RB1, to get into the end zone.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with I'm okay with Mahomes avoiding an extra hit. Especially, like, I kind of just want to put him in bubble wrap and just let him just hang out the rest of August. I was I really surprised that he slinging okay.
2: that much. I was surprised they came out, after, especially after that first play where he did take a slightly late hit, and they just had passing play after passing play for him. But at the same time, it's Pat Mahomes. I mean, what are you going to do, run the ball with Carlos Hyde five times?
1: Nah. Well, actually, here's here, here was my guess. He scored. I was guessing... I was guessing I formation, Sherman in the game, turn around, hand the ball off twice. Mahomes throws a hitch route, they get him out. Like I was kind of just expecting that, but no. They uh they they didn't. They uh they, they let him sling around a little bit. He looked good. Averaged uh over 15 yards per attempt. Was perfect on the day. Good to see him looking the exact same way he he has in his entire career. Uh a very important thing happened tonight. We got our first exposure to Steve Spagnuolo's defense, and uh, <laughs> the kind of. defense played great, except for the guys that are making the roster. <laughs> uh, Craig, initial takeaways from the Steve Spagnuolo-led defense.
3: I, you know what, Spagnuolo had his starters, quote unquote starters, in until the fumble basically occurred, and then it was over. Like they. Right. They they pulled everybody out. Then they made sure that everybody was done. You know, Chris Jones sat, Honey Badger sat. uh, Who else? Anthony Hitchens, Damian Wilson. Like they they benched a lot of guys after that moment. But the guys that filled in for him weren't necessarily the problem. Charvarius Ward got picked on by the Bengals first team offense. He is still a work in progress as a zone corner. It, it was a little bit rough for him tonight, so that wasn't great. But overall, I mean, we, we saw what we saw out of Spagnolo missing his major pass rushers and benching yeah. some of those early guys.
2: Well, that was a big takeaway for me for the Bengals is, come on, it's preseason and they ran a dink and dunk five yard hitch offense for the entire first quarter plus Like that's this isn't the time to run that kind of offense. I understand that that's going to be the mainstay of what they do, especially coming from the tree that Robinson's coming from. But you just can't do that. Like that's not a preseason move. That was not that it wasn't good. It just doesn't give you a chance to evaluate players when it's five yard hitch, five yard hitch, wide receiver screen, five yard hitch. But besides that, I agree with what Craig said. You didn't really get to see much out of Steve Spagnuolo's defense. They are missing their top three defensive ends. I don't believe Emmanuel Ogba played a snap either. So it's Frank Clark, yeah, he Alex Okafer, Emmanuel Ogba are all out. You were left with Tano Passanio and Breland Speaks playing defensive end deep into the third quarter. Like, and mm. they didn't make. They didn't do anything. Like, they did not do anything to help their roster spot during the game. So you just don't really get a good vibe for what c specknell's defense is going to be based on this real quick one game
1: yeah it was mostly in jest i saw a lot of i saw a lot of <laughs> bob sutton jokes going out uh <laughs> as soon as uh you know as soon as the chiefs gave up that first touchdown it was like okay i think the, i think i think i heard the fans boo yes uh, the first team defense at one point well, because it was and the third was...
2: down conversions but again it was just these five yard hitch offense that in the preseason I like know. no one's going about out of their way to take that away like no one's no defensive coach is going to show anything to take that away it's like why are you even doing that in the preseason if you're the bengals
3: because that's and what andy, think... dalton <laughs> <laughs> that's, hey man, that's andy dalton does that's how andy dalton is he lofted
2: is. that 50 50 up to Auden tate
1: <laughs> you know, I I wanted to talk about that fifty fifty to Auden Tate because I mean, obviously there's that defense is what we saw. I don't think Steve Spagnolo really brought any pressure uh, with his early, you know, with with his first unit with, he with ran some, some of those stunts. guys. He did. I think he might have ran some stunts. Uh, but Charverius Ward did give up another big play over his head, and I know last year the invoke thing with him was to give him credit for being in position in Seattle. Like, everybody saw those plays in Seattle, and it was like, well, he was he was in position, and honestly, I was guilty of it too a little bit. It's starting to become a trend. Like, you can't get credit for being close too much moving forward. Like, at some point, it's a trend, right, Maddie? <laughs>
2: Well, and here's the bigger issue, is he's now been close to different types of receivers that are different levels of athletic skill sets. Auden Tate's like a 4'7 receiver that Charverius Ward was still trailing vertically down the field, whereas if you go back to that Seattle game you're talking about, he's trailing smaller, quicker wide receivers. So no matter the type of wide receiver, they're able to get a half a step on him, and he's in position to make a play, he just simply can't because he's trying really hard to play catch up, and he's not able to turn, locate the ball, and actually make a play it's kind of a problem when it starts creeping up over and over again against all these different types of wide receivers around the nfl combine that with the fact that he just doesn't look good when he's transitioning he's not a guy that has great quickness he's a bigger longer guy that has good long speed but when you ask him to play off coverage read everything in front of him and quickly transition he looks sluggish doing so and they took advantage of that in this game minus the autumn tape play which is a different issue altogether
3: yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about Charverius quite a bit. Uh, let's talk about some of the other corners that did some things. Just because, okay. I mean, we, we have. We, we've kind of beaten that over the head. Um, I didn't think Kendall Fuller was awful. Kendall got yeah. like three, basically three drives. Uh, I thought he was okay. You know, I'm surprised he came
2: back in the game.
3: I was too. I kind of figured that they'd pull him After that first little bit there when they pulled everybody else, but they obviously wanted to get him some reps. I thought Rashad Fenton looked okay. Herb Miller actually looked really good. Big Big Herb Miller. He's a guy that we haven't really talked about very much because he's very much on the outside looking in. When they bring guys in and they give him the same jersey number as somebody who's guaranteed to make the roster – that's a problem, typically. They, those, those types of guys <laughs> well, usually don't make the roster. Also, looking I, at you, I'm, Mark I'm confused, Fields. Craig. Yeah.
1: I, I think I think uh, I think you're mistaken. I think Carlos Hyde was out there on that interception.
2: <laughs> well, the funny thing is... I think is, you're
1: just mistaken, Craig.
2: The Chiefs' official roster lists Her Miller as number 41, I believe. Uh-huh. But then 41. he was yeah. out yes. there wearing... Thirty-four. So that threw me for some confusion. But yeah, Herb Miller had a good game. I, he, did. he was somebody he good. that we had heard good things coming out of camp about, but we hadn't really seen much of them outside of camp. So I liked it. It yeah. was good to see.
1: Well, yeah, Herb Miller, undrafted free agent this year, six foot two. Out of Florida Atlantic. He's still only 21 years old. So he's a guy that is one of the younger players on the roster. I believe only him and Nicole Hardman are both 21 years of age currently uh, on this entire roster. So I think what's going to happen with Miller is he's got the desirable length. He did some good things this week. I think what's going to happen is you're going to wind up seeing him on the practice squad this year. Practice I think he's squad. a that very safe. Yeah. squad him. Squad him. Squat him right now. Very safe. I I think very safely going to be here in Kansas City. I doubt anybody tries to put him on a 53-man roster out here. Nah. If you're pulling from the cornerbacks of the Chiefs, you've got a problem. <laughs> uh, but I do think he's a guy that they really like as a developmental prospect.
2: And I think he showed some good things today. And we'd be in trouble if we didn't talk about the Chiefs' best cornerback from this game, Bashad Breland. He? Hey.
1: Bashad did a couple good things here. I saw a nice tackle. He,
3: I I will say this. The Chiefs cornerbacks this year, even down to the depth guys, are much more willing to stick their nose in and make a play. They are run support cornerbacks. These aren't guys that are afraid to come in and tackle. Bashad Breeland had a good one. Charvarius Ward has always been that kind of guy. Kendall Fuller's that kind of guy. Herb Miller had one. Mark Fields had a couple. I mean... Spagnuolo cornerbacks are going to be involved in run fits and he makes sure that all those guys can tackle and aren't afraid to be a little aggressive. Mo Claiborne's the same way. So very obvious trend there.
2: Well, I actually like Breland's play that he got beat deep on. And then when he's playing catch up, he was still able, he felt comfortable enough catching up to the receiver, looking back and locating the ball. Like, obviously, a good throw was going to beat him for a touchdown, and that's bad. Like, you do say, yes, he got beat on the play. But here's a guy that is in 100% catch-up mode, and he's able to read the wide receiver where the wide receiver's tracking the ball, and then look up, locate the ball, and knock it down. Like, he's way behind the play. He shouldn't have time to look up and find the ball. He's just comfortable chasing downfield, playing with his back to the football. That's something that the Chiefs don't really have a lot of in their cornerback room right now.
1: Turning your head and making a play on the football, or acknowledging that the football is coming your way, is a great start for this cornerback position. I mean, like there's there's reasons to be optimistic right there. Uh, another cornerback that I thought kind of stood out uh, early on, specifically. Mark Fields mm-hmm. having a solid day in the first half. He, he gave up a couple completions. He was lined up outside against Josh Malone, who's a bigger dude, uh, I believe, and, and gave up a, a catch there. And I think he gave up a couple catches in the second half. But Mark Fields made some plays early in the first half. He looked good. And I mean, he's a guy that, going back to the KC draft guide, when we were doing our draft prep there, we liked him as like a fourth round prospect. The talent has never been the issue with him, it's always been. Can they trust him? Can he can he be trusted off the field? He didn't get a particularly strong recommendation from the Clemson coaching staff. But, Craig, I liked a lot of
3: what I saw from him today. I did, too. You know, he's always had pretty good footwork outside of that, that damn jump hop that he does. It's still there. It's still there. <laughs> they haven't fixed it's it still for there. him yet. But... He's got great recovery speed. He stays in phase with the receiver very well. And he locates the ball in flight really well. I know Kent just talked about it. Our expectations are low, guys. But it, he's a guy that made a couple third down plays. He shows up big. He's a gamer. Like He's a guy that doesn't necessarily do well in the film room from what we've heard. He doesn't necessarily get along with the coaching staff. But when you stick him in the game... He shows up still, so I I liked what I saw out of Mark Fields. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to get the mental side of this, and he's got he should have every shot to make this roster if he can do those things.
2: I like that they played him in the slot and on the outside. I know DeMontre Wade's ejection probably gave him a few more reps (laughs) on the outside. Quick side note, DeMontre Wade ate it. He looks and moves like a linebacker, and the decision to make that hit that he made where he jumped in the air and then butted the player was just absurd. But... Beyond his, beyond my take on Wade here, I did notice something about Mark Fields that kind of bothered me. He did not celebrate with his teammates a single time on the field. Never. When he made a play, players would come up to him and tell him, good job. And, you know, He gives him the high five or talks to him. But there was a couple of times where a guy made a play and Mark Fields was near him. Didn't I mean, maybe he said something, but he did not walk over to them and do the high five, a butt slap, a tap on the helmet. He would walk right by them. Now, maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it means absolutely nothing. It's just when you're fighting for a spot in the preseason, you're fighting with these other backup guys you kind of plays one you look at other guys they're all going up to each other and congratulating them on plays mark fields was just going about his own business on the field and that may be some of the stuff behind the scenes that was an issue going all the way back to clemson
3: maddie needs more butt slaps that's what he's saying mark field that's more (laughs) butt slaps two-handed butt slaps
2: one-handed all the butt slaps are good
3: (laughs) oh this this thing got weird real quick I mean, well, it's 10:42. We, we might as well
2: just transition to Derek Naughty, completely engulfing a player yes. early on. We're talking yeah. about the first-team defense. Derek Naughty
3: looked great today, you guys. He yes, really he did. did.
1: That's a guy that you know you want to see take a step. Right now, he looks like the prize of the 2018 draft class. Um, you know, I think that's a guy that you know we've talked about him a lot. Like they traded up to acquire a guy that's probably going to be a. Early down player and he's he's there to, you know, kinda of help in the run game. But what he is and you know what he's shown to this point in his career has a lot of value. I really like him. Maddie, I know you're a big Derek Naughty fan.
2: Yeah, I mean I love Derek Naughty's game. I think he's perfect for what he's asked to do. He's asked to be a run plugger in the middle. And while he's a good two-gapper, his length does present some issues for taking on double teams and being able to disengage from them, but when you ask him to be aggressive with his size, and he does have a decent first step, as long as you're not asking him to work laterally a long ways. Last year, the Chiefs tried to make Derek Nottie cross the face of blockers, and he's he's a big guy that doesn't have the best explosive traits to go crossing an offensive center's or guard's face, but when you ask him just to shoot into a gap or play through a single blocker, his natural leverage and strength shines and you see it from time to time he has these flash plays where he really shows out we got to see one of them early on so I like seeing it you don't need him on the field for third downs you have Breland Speaks you have Tano Pass to come in defensive tackle like they were doing so I'm I'm a big fan of Derek Naughty unlike Kent I don't think they wasted a draft pick on him
1: (laughs) I never said that I did not say that Matthew I'm sick of this slander here
0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Uh, another guy, speaking of the 2018 draft class, you saw Breland Speaks lined up at the edge, something that we're still not confident in, but he he used that one move that he's kind of developed out there, that, dealt, that two-hand swipe to get a sack. Uh, I thought that was good. The thing I didn't like seeing was watching him try to chase... Someone in the flats. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that looked a little bit rough, but you know, I think there, I, Breland speaks. Like I think you're gonna wind up seeing him lined up a little bit more inside when it's all said and done.
3: And right? I think one of the things like I really paid attention to is he did line up some inside, as did Tano Passino when uh, Jeremiah Atocho uh, lined up outside. They actually brought him in and would keep one other guy outside and one of the other ones, either Tano or Breland, would kick inside. Breland is a mauler, and I think we've always kind of stated that. Breland is strong. He's strong as hell. And we got to see him toss around a few dudes tonight. Even though it didn't necessarily result in anything, you can see kind of the power that he has, especially on the interior where he can use his arm length, use that power, toss some guys around. He could be a problem creator for an offensive line just because he's able to use... That size, that strength, a little bit. There's a there's a path to success, and I think that uh, I think that Steve Spagnolo and this coaching staff, Brendan Daly, sees it. I think we're going to see more of it. I know that he is playing defensive end more primarily right now, but they don't really have another guy to play out there right now in the preseason. So I want to see what it looks like with the full complement of players, how much run he gets inside.
2: Yeah, speaks to me has always looked better when he's on the interior, but I think it was pretty obvious in this game. When he's playing defensive end, even his first step, even when it's good, even when he times it well, the second step is just so slow to follow that he looks out of place when he's on the end of the defensive line. But you put him on the interior, that first step takes him into contact with the player and that's where he succeeds. Like, that's where he's going to win is fighting on the inside. So they ran a bunch of tech stunts with him, which is the tackles going first, the ends looping to the inside around him with Speaks and then Jeremiah Atachu there in the first quarter. And they didn't result in quick instant pressure, but they definitely gave the offensive line some trouble. And I think once you get a Frank Clark or an Alex Okafor in there as well, it's going to make an even bigger difference. So I would much rather speaks. just be relegated to a sub package interior defensive line and maybe he gives somebody a breather on the outside but he just looks more natural and comfortable when he gets to line up between other defensive ends
1: all right let's move over to the offensive side of the ball a little bit here we already talked a little bit about pat but i think there's a couple guys that we really probably need to make sure we're talking about here too and let's start with darwin thompson tom's season started with a you know a, a bang uh, Darwin Thompson had a really nice introduction to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, fans. And one of the things that we kind of talked about through the draft process with Darwin Thompson, we, were, we all liked him. One of the questions we had is, does the contact balance that he's shown – uh, is Does it translate against better competition? Does it translate in tighter spaces? Does it translate against better football players, against bigger football players? And we got the answer tonight. It still translates. That low center of gravity, that ability to bounce off contact, elude tacklers. I, we saw that tonight and I that was something that was really uh, one one box I really wanted to make sure we got checked off with Darwin Thompson this uh, this preseason game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I even posted it, which apparently made the Chiefs uh, uh, broadcast tonight. I posted a tweet right after his touchdown reception that that was Darwin Thompson in a nutshell. Like, that's what we saw on film. That's what got us excited about him. You know, soft hands, ability to make guys miss in the open field. And then, yeah, a little bit of contact balance, run through tackles. That guy needs to be on this team, needs to see the field, needs, I mean, like, they've got a bunch of good backs in this room, and he's just explosive. He's that different dynamic, that different level. He still needs pass pro work. We did see him blow up a free defensive end on one play, which was great to see, but overall his pass pro still needs some work, but there were so many positive signs tonight. Darwin Thompson is a potential future stud for this team.
2: The funny thing is, I'm watching on NFL Game Pass since I live in Carolina, so it's not on national television here, or it's not national television, so I'm a little bit behind you guys. I see Craig's tweet about that being Darwin Thompson in a nutshell, and I could have swore it was about the play where he exploded through the middle, then tried to hurdle nobody, because I saw that on film about 10 times from Darwin Thompson in college. He always tries to hurdle people, then the very next play is the touchdown catch, but I think that two-play sequence is definitely Darwin Thompson in a nutshell. And I think we can cross something off here for like scouting purposes. Contact balance, even at a lower level of college football, translates to the NFL. We, it started with Kareem Hunt. Like I think people have gone ahead and accepted that if you're playing in Georgia or Clemson and you have good contact balance, it's going to translate. But now you have Kareem Hunt coming from Toledo. Then now you have Darwin Thompson at of Utah State. And you also had Devin Singletary at a, what was it, FIU this past year? Mm-hmm. These yeah. are guys all had now two of them are rookies that have played in one preseason game but they're showing that same contact balancing at second and third string NFL players so this is a skill set that translates from college to the NFL there's no reason to think that Darwin Thompson won't keep that up as he keeps going because there's a precedent set for multiple players now
1: I uh, I remember Darwin Thompson just jumping over everyone at BYU Att- like. Those attempting. Poor-
2: attempting he only I, cleared he, one he guy he hit
1: a couple i think he i think he might have cleared two okay. but you're right i think he tried more than twice i oh, think he tried like five. three or four times the
2: byu game that's what it was it was five times he tried to hurdle somebody
1: yeah I, I you know that that was a really nice catch i think he ran like an angle route uh and the anticipation from chase Litton on no, that throw maddie no. it was just
3: chase Litton ain't it
1: guys it was, he ain't it no, he's he ain't it. He ain't Last it, year, it was
2: he, a project. He got a lot of hype because he was throwing check downs to Daryl Williams and anybody else. That's still what he succeeds at doing right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it's time to talk about Meikle Hardman, uh, a guy that Good we time. were all really looking forward to seeing. Uh, we didn't get to see a ton from him. We got to see uh, a couple of the things that we kind of already had those boxes checked off. With the little touch pass, you saw the mm-hmm. speed. I really did like that he cut up field. I thought he, you know, getting north south so quick. I thought mm-hmm. was really good. That was something I really liked to see. But um, outside of that, as far as you know, the receiver side of it, I still think he's he's a work in progress. I still think that there's a lot that he needs to develop. His he needs to develop his route tree, and he just needs to develop his routes in general. Um, as a route runner, he really needs to improve. Uh, but I think what we've realized and what we've figured out. And, and, and what has become apparent with just the limited sample size, he can develop as a receiver and still have some production this season. And I think that was really important for us to see tonight. There's a path to success for Miko Hardman as he develops as a receiver. Craig.
3: Yes, there there absolutely is. And one of the things that we had kind of talked about a little bit in the chat was how he's used. Free releases all the time. Absolutely. Yep. You know, they, yep. they try... and. Yeah, a bunch. they try and get him off the line of scrimmage to where he can't be pressed, where he can kind of eat up that space a little bit and use that speed to the best of his ability. That's not a bad way to use him. There are plenty of receivers that can't be depressed. Don't get me wrong, that's not a knock on him. He hasn't developed that yet, but they are clearly using him in a very specific way, very specific down and distances, things like that, specific routes. There will be a usage for him. I I think Matty or Kent. I can't remember which one of you was talking about uh, how to use him in a trips. The best, you know, like at a, in a bunch. bunch.
1: Let him let him run yeah. free.
3: Tyreek on a deep over.
1: Tyreek on a deep over and let let uh, let
3: Meikle run vertically yeah, underneath. There him. you go. I that's gonna hit home. That's gonna be a good yeah. And then you've got all this jet motion. You've got the ability to put the ball in his hands. I you gotta get him on the field as the fourth receiver and then develop this stuff along as he comes along. I, there were positive signs. He's fast. He's really fast.
2: Yeah, and I think, so this is the first time that I saw McCall Hardman live since we drafted him. I think most of our listeners know I wasn't the biggest McCall Hardman fan. I've been kind of holding out judgment till I got to see him live. And this game was essentially exactly what you would expect to see from McCall Hardman based on everything you've heard from camp. He showed off great speed. I don't think he's Tyree Kill fast, but he's the next level down. He's T.Y. Hilton fast if that's the next best guy down. You saw it on the reverse of the pop pass there. He came around the corner. When he put his foot in the ground and accelerated towards the end zone, he did erase the safety's ankle. It was gone, and it wasn't even that long of a run. So that's fantastic to see. That's a weapon the Chiefs are going to be able to use. But outside that, every time he was targeted or all the times he was creating separation were from free releases off the line of scrimmage. They didn't want to have to ask him to be a cornerback at the line of scrimmage. Or if they did, he wasn't really involved in the play and he was just kind of running a clear out route or just like a small hitch that was going off to the side. I thought at the top of his breaks, he looked better than he did at Georgia. But And he did get pass-interfered with, I believe it was yes. twice. But he just took a lot of extra steps. He looks like a guy who's just moving a little out of control when he's making hard breaks back to the quarterback. And that's fine. They drafted him. We knew this was coming. He was not a polished receiver coming out. He's a guy that needs time to develop to the NFL game. But the good thing is... Andy Reid knows how to use a player like this. He's going to get the most out of Nicole Hardman this year, and if the speed is at the level that it appears to be, he's going to be successful. He's going to find success this year. I just don't think that he is ready right now to be a major contributing wide receiver. Not a player, but a wide receiver, because the way you can use him is limited to free releases, getting him an open space, not asking him to beat a player off the line of scrimmage or to beat tight man-to-man coverage.
1: That I think that's a really good... Uh, Summation of what we're seeing with Mikael Hardman to this point. Um, I think at this point we'll, we'll just go ahead and we'll try to take some questions from you guys here. Uh, so if you have any questions, we're by the way, we're doing a live stream uh, <laughs> over on YouTube right now. Uh, if you're if you're listening to the podcast, so we're going to take some questions live right here. Uh, Parker Wrigley asks which running backs will cut, be cut. Craig, why don't you just go ahead and just tell us the running backs that will make the team that might damian be damian
3: williams carlos hyde darrell williams darwin thompson and that's it guys i i think they're gonna keep four those are the four that make the most logical sense josh caldwell's fun and he's a fun story and i think if they could practice squad him it'd be cool but i i don't think that he's at this point in his game seasoned enough to take over. They're going to want a vet on this roster, a guy who's gotten serious snaps, you know, like Carlos Hyde to try and make this roster and having his pass pro is going to be very important to this team.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you didn't really see Tremont Smith get out there and get to do much. And I think that's telling you saw equally good, if not better returns from other players on the team. So that's kind of removing what he's going to do for the team this year. Maybe they'll try to get him on the practice squad as well. And then as far as other running backs go, I never get suckered into fourth quarter preseason running backs anymore. <laughs> it's the one position where literally <laughs> anybody can look good for a fourth quarter. All it takes is one good block on a bad defensive player out there and a guy's free. It was a nice run to see Caldwell break some tackles, but fourth quarter preseason running backs do not excite me after Greg Hill in the 90s.
3: Oh, don't you be talking slander Slender about Greg Hill, Maddie.
2: This isn't slander. He was fantastic in the preseasons.
1: <laughs> uh, Isaac Biel asks, "What do you guys think about the new PI rules? I hate it, I hate My, it already. That,
3: it just slowed that game the game was, down. What seven hours long? Conservatively, it felt for eight. It was actually eight yeah. because they had to do all that. That that needs that needs to either speed up or be removed. It's it's awful. Oh.
2: I loved it. I think the fact that they got the the first Byron Pringle one correct, just that's a big like, 30-yard swing. That makes a huge difference in a game. So the fact that they can now get an obvious play like that correct, I think great. That's worth me spending an extra 20 minutes to watch a football game when it leads to the right team going to the Super Bowl. I, I, I can't even believe that's being argued, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm one dumbfounded team, that people team won't spend an extra gi- 20 minutes watching football because they want the right
3: call to be made. <laughs> it's watching refs. It's not watching one football. Team... It's watching a referee standing in front of but a Microsoft surface. It, on most
2: Sundays there's going to be another game on.
1: One team misses out on the Super Bowl and all of a sudden we got to change the rules. I mean, come right. on. This is I ridiculous. I thought it was I got one.
2: Eight. I love that we got to see it in action too. <laughs>
1: Uh, Donnie Couch asked a good question. This guy we probably should talk about. How about Armani Watts? He had a couple good plays today, Matty.
2: Yeah, I think Armani Watts was out there. He looked comfortable. He looked like he had a pretty good idea of what he was supposed to be doing. But there kind of comes the trouble. He was playing with depth guys fighting to make a roster spot, and he's a second-year player, so he should have a better idea than a lot of guys of what he's doing, and he did. It showed. He looked better than the guys he was playing with or against when he was out there but he was playing with depth players. Hopefully this gives him a chance to climb up in the depth chart, but the problem is who's losing snaps for Armani Watts when you're looking at the Chiefs. It isn't Tyron Matthew. It's not going to be Juan Thornhill. And, To be frank, the team likes Dan Sorensen, and he looks fine out there. He had no issues. He's been fine in the past. He's not a great player, but he deserves to be above Armani Watts until he takes the job from him. So I'm just not sure how you elevate Watts, and you can take much away from him beating the Bengals' third and fourth stringers and looking good. I think
3: we saw kind of the way that they are oriented here. When Tyron Matthew came off the field— Armani Watts came on the field next to Dan Sorensen. Juan Thornhill and Dan Sorensen are like for like. Armani Watts and and Honey Badger are like for like in that regard. I agree. I thought, you know, I'm not super high on Armani Watts here, but... He looked good. This split safety role, his ability to get downhill looked much better than it did last year. He looked a little quicker. He looked a lot more comfortable in a split safety role. And in a quarters, or you know, having to only cover half the field, that's something that plays more towards his strengths, more towards his ability to get his hands on the ball, more towards his abilities to make some plays. I you know what? This scheme. The scheme's looking pretty good for Armani. He might end up being a guy that rotates around there in three safety looks. We'll have to see. But he's a good guy to have on the roster, it appears. And, you know, we'll have to see where Jordan Lucas slots in when he gets back healthy.
2: And that's what I thought of Watts coming out. He had to be limited to a split safety kind of situation because he doesn't tackle well enough to play in the box full time. Like, he's not going to bang in the box against lead blockers and offensive linemen, and he doesn't have the athleticism to be a single high guy. But if you can reduce the field that he has to cover, let him play split zone coverage... He has the ball skills, and he can read the field in front of him good enough to make plays. It's just now the Chiefs are in a position that they definitely have at least two, if not three, better safeties above him on the depth chart.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole safety room shakes out. If they keep five, if they keep four, if they move on from one, if they trade one, like there's, I, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what happens with that group. Uh, but I think Armani Watts made a good impression. We are getting bombarded with <laughs> Blake Bell questions. Uh, it's Blake Bell versus Dion Yelder. It's Blake Bell's awesome. Uh, let's just let's just go around the room here. Maddie, we'll start with you. Tight end two is.
2: I think it's going to end up being Blake Bell but i that's going based on what I've heard from people going to training camp. If I'm basing it just on what we saw from this game, I don't see how you can make a decision on either guy. They were pretty much dead even in what they were able to do out there on the field. Yelder got a few more targets. He also had a few more drops or catches that he could not make, but then he got the special teams fumble recovery. He had the touchdown there, so it's pretty even right now based on the game, but as far as what I've heard from camp, it's going to be Blake Bell.
3: Gregory, Blake Bell, or Deion Yelder? Uh, for me, it's got to be Blake Bell. Blake Bell got the first run with the twos there. Blake Bell was the guy that was kind of linking up with Patrick Mahomes a little bit better. You know, Dion Yelder was in there and some 12 personnel as well. But even though John Lovett went out hurt, which John Lovett looked okay as well, but... Uh, But when John Lovett went out hurt, Dion Yelder was a guy to come in, not Blake Bell. So that's definitely means that Blake Bell is a little further up on the ladder than uh, Yelder there. So I think he's a pretty clear tight end too right now.
1: Uh, It looks like we are not live on the live stream. Our apologies for that. uh, If you can hear us out there. So we're going to be working on that. Uh, Let's just go ahead and close this show out on that fellas uh thank you guys so much for listening to our post game show and uh thank you for everyone who engaged with us on this this was a really cool we had over 275 people watching live at one time which is a new record that's that's crazy that's crazy number so we will be back next week with another post game show catch you later